greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, so they stay frostbitten. You are now tuned to the sounds of CFRE 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man, DM Cool, and welcome to The Cool. Welcome back, welcome back. You're now tuned to the sounds of CFRE 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man GM Cool, and this is Cool Radio. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Live every Thursday from 8 till 9 p.m. It's another edition. You already know how we do. Um, first of all, shouts to all you guys who listen in on a regular basis. I do appreciate it. Um, we are doing big things as we continue to do on a weekly basis. And just to let y'all know, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are creating our own legacies. You dig? Anyways, you already know how I do with this portion of the show. Um, with that being said, I'm not going to keep you guys waiting any longer. Ladies and gents, it is time to let that is breathe. Let this bitch breathe. Yes, yes. Now, um, the last couple of days, actually, I've been hearing about this one kid who goes by the name of Slim Jesus. Okay, I kid you not. It's a little little white boy rapper from America, of course. Um, I don't know exactly what part of America he's from, but... Heard of me? Nonetheless, his name is, in fact, Slim Jesus. Now he has this one song out that's on YouTube right now. I think it's called Drill. Something with a something with Drill Incorporated in it. I can't remember the name. The joke is, I was just watching the video maybe like twenty minutes ago, uh, just to get you guys ready for this. So I saw it on the internet. I saw clips of it here and there, but I didn't exactly take it in. But I took it in just now, actually, and it's kind of funny because. At near the very beginning of the video, this guy puts out a disclaimer, basically saying that the props that are used in the video aren't, you know, aren't authentic, they're not real, they're just props, and that they shouldn't be taken seriously. So the video starts, and he's rapping with his little goon squad. It's just him rapping, but he has a whole bunch of guys, you know, acting like goons, pretty much a bunch of mini chief keeps in the background, holding up stacks, smoking weed, uh, putting guns in the air, typical, you know, you know stereotypical rap video basically and what's funny about it is that these guys are having like these guys have like laser pointers in their guns and everything they almost look like nerf guns gone wild basically and there's about two scenes in the video or two uh locations one of them is like the outside in some industrial looking area and the inside and there's one other part where they almost look as if they're in a garage like not an industrial garage but like an actual you know suburban home garage you just don't really notice it because the, the lights are very dark. It's very dimmed in there. But you can tell that they're rapping in front of a garage door. Like, make no mistake about it. Anyone who's ever, ever lived in a suburban area knows what a inside of the garage door looks like. Anyways, point is this. A lot of people like to throw the term cultural appropriation when it comes to certain rappers like Eminem, like Macklemore, like Iggy Azalea. They never throw that term at 
rappers who aren't big in their in um in rap basically when it comes to white rappers it's only when they've achieved superstardom that's when they want to throw it out but this kid right here <laughs> this kid is more than deserving of cultural appropriation this guy is basically advocating the stereotype that you know a black rapper you know totes guns all the time has jewelry on says profanity and all that other stuff that's what he's appropriating. And you guys already know how I do. I hate that term cultural appropriation because I, I feel like it gets thrown around too much. But I feel like this is the perfect time that it should be used. I mean, he's not the only, you know, white rapper who does this. I feel like uh, Riff Raff does this a lot as well. Like, these guys are the standard bearers of cultural appropriation, in my humble opinion. So, I, well, I say when it comes to guys like Nakamura, who we will talk about later on the show, Iggy and whomever, please, those... That's no, they are not cultural appropriators, not even in the slice. So what I suggest to you guys is watch this guy's video, Slim Jesus. First of all, the man's name is Slim freaking Jesus for God's for goodness sakes. Pardon me. That's the first problem. Like not only is he cultural appropriate, but he's sacrilegious as well. But anyways, what do you guys think? Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio. Let me know what you think about Slim Jesus and if he's uh, a culture vulture or not or if you watch the video do you take it seriously do you not take it seriously are you offended by it is it a joke to you once again let me know uh, big shout out to utm uh they just started school as many uh, other schools have started school as well uh hitting them books as a as that um gangster said in straight out of compton gang banging those books son <laughs> and with that being said we're gonna go to a commercial break after that Speaking of Straight Outta Compton, uh, after the commercial break, we are going to talk about a possible spinoff of that movie, which will be entitled Welcome to Death Row. But in the meantime, in between time, we got to play some tunes for you of the uh, Canadian variety. And this one comes from our former guest, uh, the lovely songstress Melanie Durant, and off of her uh, LP Anticipation. This one is called Four Seasons, so keep it locked. We will be right back after these messages. Yeah. Welcome back, welcome back, people. You are now tuned <coughs> me. You are now tuned to the sounds of CFRE Radio 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man DM Cool. And welcome back to Cool Radio. Once again, that was my homegirl Melanie Durant with Four Seasons off of her latest LP entitled Anticipation. Make sure you buy that joint off of iTunes because it's definitely some hot fire. Now, as I was alluding to before the commercial break, uh, we gotta talk about this possible spinoff off Straight Out of Compton, all right? Now, as you already know, Straight Out of Compton was arguably the biggest movie of the summer. It closed out the summer in proper fashion. Uh, it spent three straight weeks at number one in the box office. Uh, this week, I'm not sure what the numbers are. If they do top it again, that's four weeks. That's basically a month. And, you know, you cannot deny the power of hip-hop if we are taking over in more facets than just the music itself. Because at the end of the day, hip-hop is not just the music, it is a culture indeed. So big props to uh, everyone who was a part of the Straight Outta Compton production. Now, based off of the success of Straight Outta Compton, there were many whispers going around that there would be a possible sequel or a spinoff of sorts to Straight Outta Compton, which would depict the, uh, the trials and the tribulations, the rise and the fall of Death Row Records. So basically, the original name of this movie was supposed to be Welcome to the Dog Pound. Uh, but instead, from the recent reports that I've read, the official name of this movie, you know, should it be made, will be known as uh, Welcome to Death Row. So basically, this is going to chronic, uh, 
it's going to uh, chronic the life, uh, not the life, but basically uh, the moments or the, yeah, the moments that took place during Death Row Records, their rise and their fall, and how they basically became the biggest entity in hip hop at one point in time. They had a very strong, I would say, four-year run from about 1992 to about 1996. 1991, it was kind of in its infancy because Dre was still in between um, NWA slash Ruthless Records and then getting uh, Death Row started with Suge Knight. So it kind of makes me wonder how are they going to start off the movie, basically. Uh, Like, are they going to start it while Dre's still midway through his deal with um, ruthless records, or are they going to cut right to the chase, or are they going to start right in the thick of things? Like, there's so many different variables to choose from. On top of that, we also have to wonder um, who is going to play whom in the movie. Uh, are we going to get Corey Hawkins to play the role of Dr. Dre again? Uh, are we going to get that young gentleman uh, who played Snoop Dogg back in this movie? Um, one interesting factoid that I I found out about the character who played Tupac, he is the original care or the original actor who was set to play him in the Tupac biopic that was being directed by John Singleton. However, production for that movie got paused uh, for the time being and basically director F. Gary Gray collaborated with uh, Singleton and brought him over onto the Shadai Compton film for that one portion of the film where Pac is recording material for his next album. So I'm not sure if they're going to, uh, you know, integrate that character into the film or if they're going to do that with the other characters as well but it'll be interesting to see now it's important to mention that one of the directors or producers of that film of uh straight eye Compton, will also be a producer on welcome to the death row and that person is currently shopping uh shopping the idea the script to different production companies to see which one will pick it up but i can't see them not picking it up any you know uh, movie studio for that matter, based on the critical and commercial success of Straight Outta Compton, like it's only going to be a win-win for the fans and also for the studios who are going to make a lot of money off of this. So, pardon me. We'll see how this goes down. Now, a lot of people may be asking themselves: Is it too soon? Is it too soon to do a Death Row biopic film? I say no. And the reason why I say no is because Death Row was created over 20 years ago, all right? And it ended, its run ended just about 20 years ago. So I feel like there's enough filler time uh, for people to already know about the history of Death Row, whether it be through documentaries, whether they were alive in, you know, with a full functioning uh, memory during that time. So I don't think it's too late or, sorry, too early, too soon at all. I mean, you look at a biopic film like Selena, which is based on uh, the life of the Latin singer and whose role was played by Jennifer Lopez. That movie came out maybe two or three. Hmm. I want to say like maybe like five years after her death. It came out pretty early. Like that movie came out. And I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, please someone correct me on this. I think that movie came out in 1995. It came out in the 90s, mid 90s for sure. Late 90s, I don't know about, but maybe like mid-90s, like 1995. It did not take long for that movie to, to be made and to be released after, you know, the the demise of Selena. So if a movie can be made that fast after somebody's death, then I don't see why it would be deemed as sacrilegious, so to speak, or blasphemic uh, for there to be a movie 
to be made about the life and times of everyone involved with the largest record label in hip hop history, arguably, um, 20 years after the fact that it's now been defunct. So I don't think it's too soon. Now, people may also be asking, is it too soon for that movie to be made right after, you know, the success of Straight Outta Compton? Yes and no. I say yes because Shadow Compton just came out. It's been about a month since it was released, and people are still digesting its greatness. Like, I say give it some time. Like, of course, the Death Throw sequel will not come out, you know, for years and years to come. We know this. Um, it's not even going to come out by the time that Shadow Compton gets released on DVD or, you know, digital video or whatever the case may be. So... As far as the rumors coming out, the speculation of a sequel coming out, I think it is somewhat too soon. Like, let's just enjoy a great thing for the time being. This is like Kendrick Lamar saying, I'm going to come out with a sequel to Pimp, with, uh, to Pimp a Butterfly a week after it came out, you know? So we want to give it time to digest. Mind you, I saw Australia Content three times because it was that good. There's very few movies that I saw three times in theaters because it was that good, all right? I'm not going to say which ones. But nonetheless... Um, I definitely feel like it is somewhat too soon for the speculation of a Death Row movie uh, to be made because we don't know the parts of who's going to be playing whom and what have you. Um, so there's just a little too many uncertainties. But on the flip side, because I did say yes to no, um, is it too soon overall? I say no. Uh, again, because of the reasons why I mentioned it earlier, the fact that it's been 20 plus years since Death Row. Uh, also because of the fact that a lot of people have this thing with momentum and they want to keep the momentum going. Now, we don't know if it's going to be everyone who worked on Straight Outta Compton that's going to be working on this film as well. We already know there's going to be at least one producer from Straight Outta Compton that's working on this film, but we don't know if Dr. Dre is going to have involvement in it. I doubt Cube is going to have involvement in it because he was never signed to Death Row after he left uh, NWA, so we can pretty much count him as like a somewhat of a non-factor, unless if he makes a cameo, you know, as himself. Not as himself, but has someone play the role of him as, like, a cameo, like they did for Pac and Snoop in Straight Outta Compton. So we're definitely, we may see that, uh, but I don't see a, a, a large involvement uh, with Ice Cube. Uh, but I definitely do see that there may be some involvement with possibly a John Singleton because he was close with Tupac. So we may see that. But overall, it should be a thoroughly entertaining project that a lot of people from that generation and from, like, the young generation of today are going to enjoy. I mean, you're talking about, going back to Straight Outta Compton, you're talking about a group that released their first album 27 years ago. And you have people of all generations who enjoy that movie, people who were maybe 10 or 11 when that album came out to people who are 15, 16 right now who enjoy that. So the possibilities are endless. Um, and I would be looking forward to seeing if Suge Knight is going to have anything involved with this. Now, keep in mind, Suge Knight is serving a, a current prison sentence right now. However, he was one of the founding fathers of Death Row Records. So they may have to go through him to get some of the licensing uh, for some of the music, for example. Unless if, you know, there is a conglomerate that can overrule him and say, hey, you don't have to talk to him about that. You can talk to us because I think that's what's going to happen, because right now he doesn't have control of anything as far as I'm concerned. 
So from what I from my from what I see, from what I'm envisioning, it's gonna be whomever owns the masters to Death Row Records, whether it's like uh it's probably Interscope Records because they were their distributor. So hell, they may have to go through Jimmy Iovine to do it. And if that's the case, Jimmy Iovine is gonna say okay, because him and Dre are buddy buddy at this point. So um I don't think that may, you know, that will be a problem, if any. Um but overall. I think it's going to be a very interesting movie. Uh, we're going to see different viewpoints of how everything got started. And it's not gonna, it's not just going to be Dre, Snoop, and Pac. They will be the focal points, of course. But we're also going to see uh, the takes on Warren G, uh, possibly Nate Dogg, uh, Daz and Corrupt. You know, you're going to see all these different influences within the movie. And I think it's going to be very enjoyable to see nonetheless. And that also begs the question. What other biopic films are we primed to see within the next, I don't know, let's say 10 to 15 years? I definitely want to see a Jay-Z biopic. That I think that is definitely, you know, something that is realistically attainable. Uh, Outcast for sure, I believe, because the way they took over pop culture and also the way that they were the flag bearers of the South, in my personal opinion, uh, will definitely be a, a strong telling point. And... I don't know if this is going to happen for sure. I doubt it. But me personally, as a fan, I would love to see a Nas biopic. I'm not sure if that would happen just because Nas's, um, you know, Nas's presence within pop culture is not as strong as Jay-Z's or as Outkast, in my personal opinion. I don't think it is. I think Nas is well known throughout the hip-hop community, of course, and he's known to... Maybe the casual fan who listens to hip hop, but other genres of music as well. But you never know. We'll see. Uh, what do you guys think? Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool and give me your thoughts on how the Death Row biopic will turn out. And also, what are the biopic films you want to see on your favorite hip hop artists or crews or anything else of the sort? Uh, with that being said, we got to go to another commercial break and we got to give you. Give you some Canadian content in the process. This one comes from the sixth god himself, uh, Drizzy. And this one comes from his latest project, which is entitled, if you're reading this, it's too late. And this one right here is called Know Yourself. So keep it locked. We will be right back after these messages. Yeah. Welcome back. Welcome back. You are now tuned into the sounds of CFRE 91.9 FM. It is your man, DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. Welcome back to the show, people. Uh, you can also listen live to this broadcast at CFRERadio.com. And if you catch or if you happen to miss any episodes, rather, then you can catch them uh, in its full entirety on our SoundCloud page. Make sure you hit that follow button at Cool underscore radio. Same thing for the Twitter. Same thing for the YouTube. You already know how we do. Now, it is time for Trip Talk, ladies and gents, all right? You already know how we do with this uh, particular uh, su- not subject, uh, segment, pardon me. Uh, so three topics in three minutes. Uh, we're going to try and get to you as many as we can. But with that being said, I want to know uh, your opinions on them. Make sure to hit me up at cool underscore radio on Twitter or DM underscore cool, whichever you prefer. So on that note, let's get to it. So Diddy, you know, a few months ago, back on June 22nd, had an altercation with a UCLA football strength and conditioning coach. All right. The name of that coach was Sal Alosi. Now, he got into an altercation. Charges were made. However, it has been made apparent this past week that the charges 
were dropped, all right? All charges got dropped. Now, according to a report from Bleacher Report, the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office had previously rejected the case. Diddy had been charged with three counts of assault with a deadly weapon, one count of battery, and one count of making terrorist threats. He allegedly used a kettlebell as the weapon. Now, the joke is this. I made him the wankster this past summer because of the incident. Because at the end of the day, if your son is getting yelled at, to do whatever you just gotta take that l at the end of the day the coach is trying to do what's best for him and he wants him to hustle he wants him to work but of course no diddy has to catch an attitude because it's p freaking diddy for goodness sakes this is the same guy that went into the office of steve stout and cracked a bottle of uh cristal on top of his head because of a video edit that stout forgot to make now nonetheless we know diddy is insane in the membrane this guy has anger issues and I don't know how this guy gets away scot-free, but then again, I do. He's a celebrity, of course. Like, he has resources to lawyers. You know, he's well-connected. This shouldn't be a surprise, but nonetheless, I almost feel like he's getting away with murder once again. I mean, he tried to whip a kettlebell. As somebody said, you know how heavy a kettlebell is? That thing can give you a concussion if it lands right on your noggin. I guarantee that. Not that I've ever experienced before on either end, but I can only imagine that the damage would be you know, less than pretty, to say the least. So good for Diddy, I guess, on his part that he pretty much got away scot-free. But nonetheless, I feel like he should have, you know, suffered some consequences unless of this guy sell it out of court. But it's just another case of celebrities getting away with murder, you know, sometimes literally, figuratively, whatever, however you want to explain it. So good for him on that end. At the end of the day, he don't stop. Uh-uh, take that. Um, moving on now. Uh, next topic, we have, ooh, this is a good one actually right here. So one of the uh, forefathers of hip-hop, Melly Mel, uh, part of the legendary group Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, uh, basically went to social media to basically call out some of today's you know, latest and greatest and also uh, from you know a couple of decades ago. So he, he called out... Pardon me. He called out Jay-Z. He called out Kendrick Lamar. He called out J. Cole amongst a bevy of other fellow MCs, basically. And he basically called them out in the defense of Macklemore. All right. And basically, Macklemore was getting flack uh, by, you know, being the latest culture vulture and for culture appropriating again because he had veteran MCs such as Melly Mel, such as Cool Mo D, amongst others in his latest video, Downtown. And this is what Melly Mel had to say about the incident. And I quote, And my whole thing was this. I know for a fact that J. Cole or Kendrick Lamar or Rick Ross or Jay-Z or any of these cats, they would not have done it ever in regards to putting him and other legendary cats from the early 80s in their videos. <clears throat> they would not have done it. It took him to do it. And all those other so-called, quote-unquote, real cats, they should hang their heads. Because somebody should have done it by now. They could have reached back to any of us. If you're making records and you say you're hip-hop, you're supposed to have a connection to what hip-hop really is. And nobody made that connection until Macklemore made the connection. And I've had this conversation quite a few times since everything happened and had that little controversy of, yeah, the white boy using the OGs or blah, blah, blah. And like I said... None of those other guys would have ever done it. And it's a shame that that's the reality of what the game is right now. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. 
Uh, Melly Mel was definitely right on the money with this one because at the end of the day, you can accuse Macklemore of being a culture vulture, of culture appropriating, of trying to be you know the next cool white rapper, whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, this is someone who didn't just blow up overnight. This is someone who's been grinding since like the mid-2000s. This guy came from Seattle. Seattle is known for everything but hip-hop, basically. And this guy came from above that. And that album that he put out with uh, with uh, Ryan Lewis, The Heist, that album's been out since like 2012. It didn't start catching fire since until maybe like 2014, basically. So it was much more of a slow cook, a slow burn, whatever you want to call it. And so the fact that, you know, general media is propelling him as the king of hip-hop or whatever you want to call it, that's not Macklemore's fault. Blame that on the media. And I keep telling people, do not blame the pawn, blame the king, okay? No disrespect to Macklemore calling him a pawn or anything like that. I'm not doing that. I'm just making an analogy. But nonetheless, don't be mad at the artist. Be mad at the tastemakers. It's like that old saying goes, don't. Or don't hate the player, hate the game. That's just how it goes. So I feel like a lot of people need to let loose off him because at the end of the day, he's not doing anything wrong. The only thing I will criticize Macklemore for was the conversation that he posted on social media uh, that he had with Kendrick Lamar about him uh, being, you know, him being guilty about him not uh, about him winning the award instead of him for best rap album in the Grammys, and then also because of the white guilt. I mean, let that let that guilt go, man. You've worked hard enough, man. No one should be able to take that away from you. Like you've worked hard. No one should ever criticize you just because you're white. Hip hop is for everyone at the end of the day. And if people want to get mad at that, then they shouldn't want hip hop to be global or have the status that it has right now. Because at the end of the day, it would not have that status if it wasn't global. Def Jam, the most storied label in hip hop history, was co-founded by a white guy. Some of its first acts were white. So what are we talking about? We're talking about Rick Rubin, the co-founder of it. Beastie Boys was the first act that he signed, that he personally signed to uh, Def Jam. Third Base, which contains, uh, which was um, led by MC Search, they were signed by Def Jam as well. So again, why are people so up in arms about Macklemore, especially when he's trying to do his own brand of hip-hop? It makes no sense whatsoever. So I said leave the man alone. And I saw the video for Downtown, and I loved it. It was great. It's a great way of... Integrating hip-hop into other cultures as well, which is what I try to do with this show as well. So from a subjective standpoint, I can relate. From an objective standpoint, it was a great video nonetheless. So keep on dusting the haters off, Malcolm Moore. And Melly Mel, he, once again, was right on the money. And again, if other artists, not just fans, but if artists are mad about this, about him putting their, legend, their legends in the videos, whatever, how come you don't do the same thing? Sometimes I feel like I hear more references to drug lords than I do of rappers who paved the way for them. But, hey, that's none of my business, right? I feel like I need to sip some tea to that real quick. Excuse me for a minute. Real talk for the real people. And finally, on Trip Talk, uh, this one is interesting as well. So Damon Wayans, you know, acclaimed comedian and actor Damon Wayans, uh, one of the uh, infamous Wayans brothers, was on The Breakfast Club, a New York City radio show, um, this past week. And they were talking about a plethora of different topics. And one of them included the infamous Bill Cosby. Now, they were talking about the rape allegations and what have you. And most comedians, you know, have no fear of holding their tongue because at the end of the day, 
they are comedians. They don't hold back. They can be very controversial at times with what they say, all in the name of satire. However, this time around, Damon, I don't know, like, it did not come across as that funny. It was a little bit nail-biting, to say the least. So, basically, he basically said or criticized or questioned some of the people who were coming to the stand, so to speak, about, you know, what Cosby did to them back in 1960 and 1970 and all those years back. He kind of accused some of them of wanting to get some sort of like a pay cut out of it. And then he also said how some of them appear, quote unquote, in his words, unrapeable. I think that was the, the one term that kind of threw people off because I listened to that and I was like, ooh, no, no, demon, no, he wasn't ready. You know what I mean? So I think that was his mistake right there, like the terminology and the fact that he wasn't taking the allegations seriously. And I get it. You're a comedian. You want to make satire out of it. I totally get it. It's totally understandable from that standpoint. But I feel like sometimes there's a line. There's like a line of scrimmage, so to speak. And you got to know when something is funny and when something's not funny. And I think it was one of those times where it almost seemed as if he was a Bill Cosby sympathizer. And I get it. Bill Cosby paved the way for a lot of young black comedians. I'm sure he was one of them. And I'm sure he idolized him. And I think he was trying to take his side of the case because at the end of the day, we don't know anything until he's proven guilty, basically, in the court of law. But my thing is this. If you have, what is it, 40 women now who are coming to you saying that you raped them, you put drugs in their, in their, in their drinks and everything, quaaludes, whatever the case may be, and they're still coming after you, despite the fact that the statutes and limitations have now expired, meaning that they're not going to get a pay cut of it. They just want the truth to be out. I'm sorry, man, but you got to listen to the voice of reason at the end of the day. And I'm not saying that Cosby did it because I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't even born when it happened. But if I had to put money on whether he did it or not, I'm putting money on the fact that, or I can't even say the fact, but I'm putting money on the notion that he did it. If you have multiple women coming after them, it can't just be a thing of these women coming out of nowhere to conspire against them because at the end of the day, there's no financial or you know uh, social gain out of it. It's just the fact that the, the truth is now finally out. So I got to side with them. I really do. And it's disappointing because of the fact that this is someone who's been seen as a hero to the black community. But at the same time, it's a bit ironic because of the fact that he has been the one person to constantly point his fingers at the black community saying, you need to pull your pants up. Why are you still living in the hood? This, that, and the third. Being your judge and jury, ironically enough, once again. So going back to Damon Wayans. I think he kind of like stepped over that boundary just a bit, despite the fact that he is a comedian. It, it, it's basically the fact that it was a joke that just didn't go over. And I think that's the best way to chalk it up to. But anyways, you guys let me know what you think as usual. Um, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to get old school with this. So with that being said, it's time for the Throwback Thursday track of the day. Hit it. Now, I'm still on my West Coast vibe right now based off of the strength of NWA's uh, Straight Outta Compton biopic film. Uh, with that being said, I figure I'd go back into the crates and dig out another track from that epic album which came out the year of my birth, which was, in fact, 1988. 
Um, with that being said, this one is probably the most uh, iconic record on that album. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to get right into it right now, actually. This track right here is called F the Police. And when we come back, we have the Wankster of the Week. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio. And we will be back right after these messages. You already know. What's going on, people? It's your boy, Femi Lassen, and man, me. It's your man, Bo Pinto, at Bo Pinto. Jay Hood from the Toronto Argos. You are now tuned in. Cool! Cool! Radio 91.9 FM. It's an amazing interview. I had an amazing experience. I had an amazing time. The best radio show experiences I've had ever. Stay tuned for the hottest in news, hip-hop, entertainment, and everything. Every Thursday at 8 p.m. Big shout-out to DM Cool. Good vibes. Love you, man. You're famous. I love it. You already know, ladies and gentlemen, you're now tuning to CFRE 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man, GM Cool, and welcome back to Cool Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of the show that you have been waiting for. And with that being said, let's get to it right now. Who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame? Who has been crowned the captain of Coonery? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the Wankster of the Week. Wankster of the Week goes to none other than transgender savior turned confused individual, Caitlyn Jenner. Now, Caitlyn is getting the wankster this week because of an interview that she had with Ellen DeGeneres uh, earlier this week. All right. Now, uh, it was a pre-taped uh, interview uh, that was supposed to, uh, supposed to be in- installed for the season premiere of the Ellen DeGeneres show. And basically within the interview, they were talking about gay rights and gay marriage. Now, within that interview, uh, Ellen was puzzled as the rest of America was puzzled because this isn't the first time that Caitlyn Jenner has expressed her distaste for the notion of gay marriage. And this is coming from someone who was once a man. But anyways, we will get to the hypocrisy in just a moment. But anyways, Ellen uh, took it upon herself uh, to discuss some of uh, the interaction between herself and Jenner on the Howard Stern show. Now, on her on the Howard Stern show, um, she was quoted as saying she still has a judgment about gay marriage. And basically, it's a bit puzzling that she does given her current circumstance now on ellen's show uh basically uh jenner admitted that she was a quote-unquote traditionalist all right keyword traditionalist pardon me and uh she went on to say that she had slightly changed her mind because she didn't want to quote-unquote stand in front of anybody's happiness now, for anyone that knows me off of the mic, knows that hypocrisy is arguably my number one pet peeve. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, I believe in calling a spade a spade. Now, in Caitlin's case, it sounds very inconceivable to say the least that she would be against the union of same-sex marriage, whether it's a man and a man or a woman and a woman. And I find it inconceivable because of the fact that this is a woman who was once a man who wanted support from as many people as possible to support her and her decision into transform- transforming herself from a man into a woman. Now, 
she may have gotten rid of her masculinity, but one thing she did not get rid of was her right was her right winged ignorance. All right. And what I mean by that is the fact that the Republican Party is known for wanting to keep things the same and they only want to elevate those who are within their uh, upper echelon of eliteness, so to speak. And I feel like Caitlyn is still stuck in that mindset, even though she is now Caitlyn. Now, if this if if Caitlyn wasn't who she was, if she wasn't formally the Olympic world Olympic athlete, if she wasn't the person who married into the Kardashian family, then there is no way, shape or form that she would have gotten the support from America, it seems to have undergone this change there are people who are within the middle class or who are within the lower class who are trying to do what she did but they don't get the support because at the end of the day their social value is nowhere near hers they are not on the upper echelon their tax bracket is much smaller in compared to hers but because she has the resources because she knows people who are higher up this that and a third she was able to get that transformation done and the fact that she's going to sit on her high horse and say yeah you know thank you for supporting me i am caitlin i want to be known as caitlin i want everyone to support me in my journey as i go from a man to a woman but then backhand people say yeah i don't support same-sex marriage is ass backwards to say the least it the logic there is no logic behind it. I was gonna say the logic is backwards, but there's no logic at all whatsoever. So you're telling me you want people to support you in your endeavor of being a woman, but you are going to turn your backs on the same people and say that you don't support same sex marriage? Hmm. I may not be an expert on none of this stuff, but I can tell you that that's some bullshit right there. But hey, that's none of my business. Pardon me as I sip some tea. <laughs> Now, I am no advocate for the gay community. I'm not an advocate for the transgender community. I don't consider myself an advocate for anything, to be honest. But I have to call out ignorance when I see it. Ignorance and hypocrisy are both at hand in this story. So on that note, do I think Caitlyn Jenner should be given the wanks of the week for her, her hypocrisy in all of this? Of course! And with that being said... I'm going to drop it on her one more time, just like this. 50, you already know what to do. You would think, I mean, this is, how. What, what can I compare this to? You know what? I'm not even going to. I'm not even going to. I'm done. I'm off this. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of yet another broadcast. I want to thank y'all for tuning in. Uh, much shout out to all the students at UTM who are out here and getting it, getting those grades. Like I said, earlier in the broadcast gangbanging them books <laughs> like uh the og two-tone from straight out of compton but nonetheless uh all jokes aside uh if you know someone who may not have been able to listen to this broadcast live tell them to uh listen to all full podcasts on our soundcloud page at cool underscore radio make sure you follow that also follow us at cool underscore radio on twitter and um youtube as well on facebook like us at cool radio no underscore in that one and next week we will have the architect of king of arts clothing mr koa himself coming to the studio once again we're going to talk fashion we're going to talk ball we're going to talk about all that good stuff and we will talk about subliminals i will let you know more about that later on uh, but other than that you already know what it is um once again cool radio is a division of cool click media and entertainment reminding you each and every day that we are creating our own legacies 
And with that being said, it is your man, GM. Cool. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace. Cool.